Welcome back to the Skits and Giggles podcast. I am Pascal, chief instigator of this show and your host. I'm joined by my co-host and resident engineer, the ying to my yang, the Barney Rubble to my Fred Flintstone, Bryson. How's it going today? Hey, Pascal. Good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Today, we are joined by none other than the Pink Bike Photo of the Year winner, Jan Kadosh, as well as the writer in the now famous photo, Dario Lono. How's it going, guys? Really good. Thanks for having us. Yes, pretty good. I'm happy. Thanks. Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for doing this podcast in English. It really means a lot to us to be able to do this. And uh, well, we're looking forward to this conversation. Yes, too. Well, speaking of Pink Bike, there are a couple of things Bryson and I would like to say before we dive into our conversation today. Most importantly, we would like to thank our listeners that have been part of this journey from very early on for the valuable feedback and the great interactions that we've had along the way, online as well as offline. We're having a lot of fun doing this and we're curious to find out where el what else um, lies ahead for this podcast. As always, just let us know in the comments or in a quick message if you got any questions, comments or concerns. We also want to say hi to the many new listeners that have come, up, come on board over the last few weeks after we got featured in a roundup on Pinkback the other day. Welcome to the Skits and Giggles podcast. If you like what, you're do what we're doing, then just give us a follow on Spotify or sus subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or any of the other platforms where you find great podcasts. We also republish our episodes to YouTube in video format, so you can also subscribe to our channel there if that's where you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for a back catalog, the show notes, or more info about the Skits and Giggles podcast, head on over to our website under skitsandgiggles.com. We also have a nice shop section on the website where you can get yourself some sweet stickers. Finally, we are also on Instagram where you can find us under the handle at skitsandgiggles and where you can slide right into our DMs. Right on, with that all out of the way, let's get back to Jan and Dario. Um, maybe to start with, we had, uh, well, Zermatt is turning into a little bit of a theme on this uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, this now infamous weekend at the back end of August last year. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit uh, what uh, brought you guys to Zermatt uh, last summer? Yeah, actually, we were lucky that we even uh, got there because we got a flat tire on our car on the way, to, on the way there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we just wanted to have some fun. We were there uh, the year before already, and we had to do it again, uh, meet some friends and take some, take some shots. Yeah, I mean, Zermatt's great for riding bikes, and then you can watch the pros, and you could watch Pascal ripping through in the master's <laughs> class. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, nice location, watch the race, and then ride some bikes for ourselves. Oh, nice! But uh, did you did you do? Uh, how long were you up there? Because you know, obviously, the 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 now famous weekend that was uh, you know just Saturday Sunday, which was so horrible. But the rest of the week was actually pretty nice. Yes, I think we were there actually from uh, Thursday to uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. We had another video project going on, and then we needed some more time to ride our bikes for ourselves. Okay. Well, nice. I mean, yeah, so I showed up on uh, on Friday lunchtime and I uh, literally just checked in the in my accommodation, uh, got onto the gondola, and as soon as I came out of the gondola on top, it started raining. 
<laughs> and it didn't stop until I left on Sunday. <laughs> well, in between there was some snow, I yeah. guess. It rained all a little the bit. Time. <laughs> some snowfall in between. Okay. So uh, yeah. So maybe uh, let's talk a little bit about the photo. How um, you know? Of course, you know. Listeners can can give it a gook uh, on how the photo looks. I think it's a it's a stunning photo. Of course, the, uh, the most iconic mountain that we have in this country, the Matterhorn. Um, you know, the very stunning scenery around the Matterhorn, you know, the clouds just opening up. And of course, you know, some, uh, some interesting writing in that picture. <laughs> um, so maybe let's talk a little bit about how it actually came to that photo. Yes, that's actually a pretty funny story as well. Because it was the day of the race and we started, wanted to start the day with watching the race, but most of it got cancelled and then we were like quite lost and figuring out where to go and then we just saw the last riders. Yeah, so actually uh, we completely missed the race actually because uh, they changed uh, the stages too. So we went to the second stage first and waited for the riders for about 20 minutes and then they told us that they were doing the, the other stage before. So uh, we just had, uh, we were just able to watch one uh, stage of these, these two. And yeah, all we, all we wanted to do was uh, to ride our bikes a bit more because it was such a long day in the rain and we didn't do very much, but just a few pictures of the pros. And then we, yeah, we wanted to go up to Gornegrat again, uh, got some, some uh, dinner at Cope, went to the, to the railway station and then we saw at the, at the webcam that the weather up there was stunning. We actually didn't really realize it before. I thought it's just a nice picture on the on the screen, and then we realized it's a webcam. <laughs> <laughs> Stale <Yeah>. photo. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. We got really hyped and went up there, and yeah, it was such a stunning evening. Yeah, I didn't expect anything because everything was just foggy down in Zermatt and rainy, and then we said, well we don't care, just go up for one last ride and then riding up the train and we just broke through the clouds and then there was that stunning scenery, it snowed on top, the sun just came out and it was sunset. So we were like, oh my gosh, this is like the best light ever. And I wanted to start riding with the GoPro on my helmet, but I figured it didn't have battery. But luckily my camera had some battery left and then we just started to take pictures. And I guess you could point the camera in any direction because the Matterhorn and the whole scenery was just so great. But I, I wanted to do that one really cool landscape shot, but I couldn't figure out a spot on the trail where everything matched perfectly, except that one last corner that's like really shitty to ride, but I, I made Dario ride it like twice because I was like, yeah, no, we have to get that shot. I really like the framing and stuff, so just ride that corner, even if it sucks. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't think about the pink bike photo of the year at all until I posted the picture on Instagram and one comment said, well, Jan, you should submit it to pink bike photo of the year then. We did, and everything went the right way, I guess. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> exactly. 
Okay. I mean, you, uh, <clears throat> you know, what has been the, uh, the, the reception ever since, of course, I mean, the, uh, pink bike photo of the year is kind of a very, uh, prestigious, um, competition for photo photographers, uh, with, you know, so obviously some very, uh, you know, famous or, or prestigious uh, professionals. Um, so what has been the, uh, you know, the, 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 the feedback or the, the kind of the, the insights from from that the competition well i didn't expect anything i was just like if you don't submit the photo you already lost and then when i turned out to be in the top 32 it was really overwhelming for me and more or less all the people around me just went crazy and got huge feedback that i already made that step and yeah it's really funny that like there's all the pro photographs and then there's me <laughs> and like actually most of those guys were on that day in Zermatt as well shooting the EWS but I guess they had to edit the pictures from the race and didn't think about going up on the mountain again exactly they're and too busy being professionals <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so it's quite funny that I'm like yeah just go out and ride and enjoy it and everything can happen Oh yeah, for sure. Um, uh, one question I had, uh, because obviously I followed a little bit on uh, on Pink Bike, is uh, <clears throat> because if you look at the the different um, um, the different articles that have been posted since, you know, there's there's other photos from that trip, and I think there's others that are, in my view personally, uh, you know, almost better than the one that won. What is your take on that? Well, actually, you can submit three photos for Pink Bike Photo of the Year. And the one I also submitted was the, the shot where Dario was rolling down that slope, which got a lot of good feedback as well. But Pink Bike is selecting the top 32, and they selected the landscape picture. What's not the best riding, not the biggest whip, not the biggest jump or so. But the landscape and the emotions talk for itself, I guess, because so many people liked it. It's, and it's more about the feeling you get from biking and being in a nice landscape rather than just doing crazy tricks. It's certainly an emotional photo. It's got all the elements. And, and it, ga it gathered a lot of reaction from the, uh, the commenters. Uh, one particular one that stood out to me was the headless rider comment. And, you know, Pink Bike is famous for its comment sections. Um, now that we know who the headless rider is, uh, just wondering, did you, did you end up naming that photo? At least for me personally, not. It's one of my favorite photos, actually, that even before, before Pink Bike Photo of the Year. We were, we were up there and uh, I, told, uh, I said to Jan, hey, Jan, this picture is going to be on my wall. And it is. And it is. Um, but it doesn't have a name. So probably the headless, headless rider could be one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't give it a name either. I didn't do that very often because I don't know why we should give names to pictures. If the picture's powerful enough, why should it have a name? But yeah, I like the headless rider. Yeah, I mean you have pink bike. They give it. They give it. Give them so many names, so we don't have to. We can just pick one. <laughs> Looks like a session. <laughs> <laughs> just post it on pink bike, and then 
see what Let happens. the comments <laughs> do it work for you. So Pinkbike is known as basically the, uh, the largest mountain bike publication ever. Um, winning photo of the year is sort of like winning downhill world champs. As an amateur. <laughs> yeah. yeah actually it's it was it was uh quite overwhelming i didn't really know what yeah what's gonna happen i still don't know it um but actually i at least for, for in my opinion i don't really i don't really care about i'm still doing my thing for i hope it's a really good chance for Jan for to push the photography level um and yeah let's see what let's see what brings to us yeah, for me, it's just all about passion. I'm still study, studying, so I don't have like all the time to shoot pictures, and I just do it as much as I can on the weekends and if I have like holidays. And so I don't put myself under a lot of pressure, but it's like the biggest and best feedback you can get. It's like, yeah, you got photo of the year, so what you're doing is actually pretty nice, and a lot of people like it. So. I'm for sure just gonna go and push it even more if I have time to, but I don't put myself under pressure that I have to shoot every day. Otherwise, I'm not in the flow anymore and don't do it because I really like to do it and be out there because I just want to get more pictures out and get money. And yeah, you can lose your creativity really fast if you, yeah, if you're not in the flow, not in the right mindset. Uh, speaking of flow, how was the rest of that trail down to the bottom? <laughs> <laughs> a lot better, actually. So I, I really like this trail. So uh, from the top to the bottom, um, it's so rocky. You can choose your line everywhere. There are so many lines to choose. Um, it gets flowier, um, more you're, you're down. So and then you go into the glitchy garden and then it gets rough again. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this is where the... The stage, I don't know, what was it? Four or that five? That would have been stage, have been? stage uh, three, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, there, the flow stops pretty pretty quick, um, but it's one of the nicest trails in Zermatt, in my opinion. Actually, I don't really know that many trails there, um, but the ones we did, um, yeah, I like it pretty much the most. But also because of the scenery, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the... You know, that's the with riding in Zermatt, that's kind of the you know, wherever you go, wherever you look, it's always this stunning uh, scenery, even if it's not a nice day and you can't see the Matterhorn, but it's always like this beautiful mountain scenery, dramatic clouds. Uh, you know, the valley, you can see all the way down to the valley floor in the valleys. You can, uh, you know, obviously you have all the mountains around it. So, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And I guess, you know, maybe just from my side, I think what uh, what you said earlier, right? So the what stood out from the picture, having seen the other 31 pictures, is kind of that it captures, you know, what people love about Zermatt, right? So it's kind of that dramatic mountain landscape, this, you know, the terrain, the how moody it can be the light is crazy and i mean it's just uh, yeah no i mean i think it's just uh, probably the luckiest punch you've <laughs> you've made in uh, in a long time so yeah that's for sure that's why i also said in the interview on pink bike it's like yeah just bring your camera as much as you can and just take pictures if you want to but you can Sometimes my camera is in my back for like three days and I don't even snap a picture because, yeah, the flow was just really good on the bike and it didn't, I didn't have to take a picture. 
and mm. then if you're like lucky and get like really nice light and or like one corner has a lot of low flying yeah. so just snap that picture because you have your camera in your backpack mm. what was uh some of the uh not so great feedback from the pink bike comment section of course there was very you know very a lot of support um but there was probably also a few not so great uh, comments what was the highlights of that <laughs> um yeah there there were quite a quite a few of them but actually i think it's in my opinion it's it's quite normal because people are more happy to pe- to talk about something they don't like so uh, it's normal that you have more of the haters commenting than than ones who like the shot but at least i mean there were more than 50% who liked it but actually i mean my my personal highlight of the like the negative comments was the one of uh was Brandon Samanex one it's just, I mean, he, I think he, he uh, posted something about an Instagram, something like uh, what, a, what a sweet gravel road or something like this. <laughs> and I had to say, okay, I mean, come on, uh, at least you can say that uh, Brandon Samanak took his time to comment on one of your shots. So uh, thanks, Brandon, for wasting your time on our picture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I mean, again, you know, just uh, invite him over and then he can make uh, his own picture of that trail and what kind yeah. of gravel road it is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard for the people from U- the US or something else outside of Europe to like get how trails are here like you have the accessory with trains and gondolas and then you just go up on the mountain and you're like really on high altitude and just start riding from there yeah absolutely and and of course what people forget is that uh you know some of the trails um uh, here in Europe, the, you know, they've not been purpose-built for bikes. They, they've been around for hundreds of years and they've been used by, you know, farmers and goats and uh, smugglers and uh, and whatnot for to cross the mountains. And you know, they're they yeah, as I say, they're they've organically grown over the years. Um, and yeah, so you know, we just ride them because that's the only thing we have, right? So it's not like uh, we have. And of course, Zermatt is investing a lot and other destinations are investing a lot into purpose-built trails, but uh, that's still um, a small par- portion of, of the trails that we have here. Bryson, you had something? Yeah, I wanted to point out that um, that's one of, the, one of the things we want to get across to our listeners, especially the ones that are listening from outside of the country. Um, we want to let them know what it's like to ride here and uh, introduce them to the the fantastic characters that uh, we come along in our riding journeys and um yeah absolutely and the other thing maybe to to conclude uh, you know the, the, the conversation about the the race was there any other uh, interesting takeaways from the race part well from what you did see <laughs> yeah i mean all of these races where you can see the pros are so fascinating to see how fast they are actually going i mean i'm um, now I live in Lenzerheide, so I've been watching the World Cup and World Championships quite a few times. And I mean, downhill is super nice to, to watch, but they, they, can, they can practice, I don't know how many times uh, they, can, they can do this run. And then you can see the CWS pros. They do it once, they got their GoPro run. Um, on the race day, it looks completely different. There's, there's snow in it, and they are just uh, fully charging down there, and it's so impressive to to see them ride. Oh yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, it's the uh, you know, yes, I, I did get a, a qualification out of this uh, weekend, but I have no uh, you know, 
uh, no misconception about my skill level in comparison to uh, the real elite. So, and that's just uh, crazy to see how, uh, um, you know, how they can go from one practice run because that's all what you get and, uh, and, uh, and it's a bit of GoPro. And then in this conditions that you were completely different on the race day than on Saturday, uh, you know, with half the stage canceled and, uh, you know, half the, the other half of the race canceled as well. So you basically have like half a, half a queen stage and a uh, one full stage and that's the race. And uh, yeah, and then in those conditions to, to still put a race like that together is, is, is fun, you know, fantastic to watch, but uh, completely beyond me on how, <laughs> how I should be putting that together myself at this stage. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, you talked a little bit about Zermatt and uh, the riding in the region. Um, you said you like it quite a bit, but I mean, um, you know, what else did you like about the trip to Zermatt? Zermatt overall is like really nice because it's quite technical most of the time so you don't have that many bikers and if the weather's bad you don't have hikers either so that's that's a big plus and just the whole Zermatt scenery and to see the friends from Wallis that's a big part why we travel five hours to Zermatt it's always a big ride but it's always worth it Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's that's what people forget. Uh, even in our small country, Zermatt is a pain to get to wherever you are in the country, unless you're like down and directly below in, in the in the valley. Then there's it's always a pain to get there. Uh, and I think it's also like a couple of my friends that uh, that traveled for uh, for the EWS um, from from England and and other countries that you know. Of course, you add the complication of this being Switzerland and everything is so expensive, but then you add that you can't actually drive a car into Zermatt and then you always have to take the train. And so that's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a complicated destination, but uh, I think it's well worth the trip. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, to, to come back to your question, in my opinion, uh, when we go to, to Zermatt, uh, this, is, this is a highlight uh, as itself because it's something completely different than we... Than what we have here and yeah you can see different people that the trails are completely different and it's just special to be there to add to that um perspective i'll give you my first experience in the zermatt i was super pumped up heading there with some family members and uh we get there it's a beautiful day uh we arrive in this valley and you're looking up at the uh the toblerone and uh the very tip was just covered in clouds for the full day and I didn't get to see the actual top. So you could imagine like how high it was and how, how it looks at the top because, you know, well, everyone's seen a Toblerone box, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, I, I live here in, in Graubünden, um, yeah, like forever. Or like forever is about 25 years. Um, but last uh, 2019 was the first time I saw the Matterhorn live. And we, we arrived there and uh, we, can, we could see it from our terrace, more or less. And I told Jan, hey, okay, um, you can leave me here. Come back at uh, Sunday evening to get me, to bring me back home. But I'm happy. I'm more happy than ever to, to just sit here. So I don't need more than that. Oh, yeah, no, it is, it is a magic mountain. Once you've, uh, once you've seen it, it's, it doesn't let you go. It's just uh, you have to look at it. <laughs> so, Jan, you told me you're studying. Uh, but also, I've noticed that you work with some very nice brands. Um, 
have the experiences working with these brands changed uh, something for you? How you compose yourself, how you go about uh, kind of as a, a professional or semi-professional as well as doing school? Well, actually, nothing changed because of the pink bike photo of the year or something. It's I'm really just down to earth, earth, or at least I hope I am. And I'm just trying to get my study to finish so my parents are happy and I have finally my degree and then I can like start living more with my passion and taking more pictures but yeah I'm still yeah I never rushed anything I did never like pushed myself into brands like here I am take me now and I take the best pictures ever it's more that I just wanted to always over deliver more or less. So if somebody asked me to take pictures, I just wanted to give them really good pictures and like three pictures more. So they were like really happy with my work. And then Instagram is a good, a good marketing place, but the if brands like you, they talk to other brands, they work together and then you get bigger connections and your network work gets bigger. And then you have more clients and then I don't even have time to shoot everything because I still want to do it like really good, as good as I can. So that's my approach on that. Well, well, how did you actually get into, you know, taking photos? Has that always been like a passion or a hobby or, you know, have you always been running and riding around with a, with a camera in your backpack or how did that happen? I actually don't know. It's just, I had a camera when we traveled with my family for holidays and then I started taking some pictures and then I just really liked kind of creating something and I taught myself everything from YouTube like how to what's depthful feel like how to use the camera as a tool and I just started taking pictures of random things in our house and then I just took it with me riding bikes and skiing and then I started shooting friends and I was never happy with my pictures so I just wanted to get better and better and I'm still in that stage I'm like okay I got pink bike photo of the year but it could be better so it's like always just that drive to improve myself and give every day my best and taking new pictures and getting more ideas and trying to execute them as good as I can and everything just went off. So now that you have the, um, the excitement and the motivation from photo of the year, do you have some plans in the works for maybe a project up and coming? Well, there's a lot of projects going on. It's always like my time at university. It's just like my time where I plan my shootings. <laughs> I'm like on fat maps all the time and different maps just yeah ideas come whenever like that's that common theme like people get the best ideas in the shower but that's actually true if you just live and don't think those really great ideas come along and so I'm really pumped for summer because I have lots of different projects already that I'm going to shoot so you're living close to a mountain region, Davos, I believe, right? Yes, I live down in the valley between Kur and Langquart. 
Nice. So, but I ride a lot in Davos, but also Olenzerheide and more or less Holgerbündens, like my backyard. So I have also like a lot of different options, and because I know a lot of different places, I can like have different ideas, and I know a lot of different trails where I want to shoot that one. I have to go to Davos if I have to shoot something else. I know Linzerheide is better or Lachs is better, and that really helps. Okay, and then uh, it's your. Um your inspiration for your photos is that coming more from from your own writing or is that coming from you know you're you're always kind of uh, influenced by what other media you consume um what are kind of your your influences is it more the skiing world more the writing world is it or just your own imagination i think it's everything and nothing at the same time like a lot of skiing influenced me how I ride bikes, I would say. I'm quite a playful skier. And so that's kind of the flow I want to take on the bike as well. And then I took some inspiration for biking for skiing as well. And for pictures, there's so many landscape pictures out there that are really nice, but it's like you've seen so many landscape pictures they quite kind of gets boring and my takes really how to integrate a skier or biker or hiker into that beautiful landscape to get even more emotions into the pictures and so that's kind of my influences okay that's interesting because that's what i uh, what i thought when i when i first saw the 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 photo uh, is uh, you know my my writing and uh, has, has also been hugely influenced by backcountry skiing, and I've, as a teenager and young adult, I've consumed endless videos and photos and whatnot of big mountain skiing. So like the you know the Seth Morrison's and all these kind of guys, and if if you follow their kind of publications that they've been featured in. Um, it's never really a photo of a huge trick or whatever, or a huge jump or something. It's always kind of almost like the, the skier is kind of a something on the side and, and, and kind of the, the, the landscape and the mountains, et cetera, speaks for themselves. Um, so that's why I wondered if kind of uh, how, where, where your inspiration is coming from, because it's kind of, for me, it talks both languages of the kind of the skiing photography as well as the, the biking photography. And the cool thing about skiing, like my approach on ski photography is like I have that nice landscape kind of as a painting and then I can talk to the skier and the skier can actually draw the line into that painting, how it fits the best. And that's my kind of approach on skiing, but in skiing you have like one shot and then yeah, it's tracked. So you have like yeah, some the canvas is there. done. <laughs> exactly. And then the good thing is with biking, you have like, you can ride as many times as you want because the trail just stays there, but you're quite limited where the trail is. So you as a photographer, you have to move more to get like the line of the trail into the picture. And that's quite challenging sometimes, but also really rewarding if you like get the shot. So I guess it's kind of, yeah, as I say, skiing is a, 
one 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 or done uh, and the other one is kind of you have a couple of takes um okay um when you're uh when you're not schlepping your backpack around with your your camera um where do you write uh where do you write the most where do you like writing the most is it just at home yes i think urban is just such a big nice playground and if you live there it's like not necessary to go anywhere except Zermatt because it's totally different and just sick <laughs> but yeah I really like Rabunden and especially Davos because the trails are kind of different and a little harder than the rest sometimes but for me also like the people you ride with make like 50% of the ride the trail can be as good as like ever but if the people suck it's not fun and so also a medium trail can be really cool if the right people are around like dario exactly yeah, exactly i was about to say i mean dario i mean obviously you live in lenzerheide we've been talking about lenzerheide quite a bit on uh, on the podcast already but uh yeah where do you like riding the most yeah so actually i I wouldn't even say that I like to ride in Lens, like it the most in Lenzerheide because you have so many possibilities all around. It's so easy to connect Lenzerheide with uh, Davos, with uh, Arosa, of course, um, Kur, Altenbike Bike Park. You have endless possibilities. I mean, you could you could do a tour starting in Lax, um, going over to Kur, Brembrüsch, Altenbike Park, Lenzerheide, and ended up in Arosa. Uh, yeah, Graubünden as a whole is such a nice play playground, and I can't even point, yeah, point one destination out of it because it's uh, it's like the Graubünden the whole region the which makes it uh, special or be or beautiful because you you have pretty much everything in a, a reaching in a nice uh, reaching distance. So I don't want to go anywhere else actually. I've, to, I, I've said to my friends quite a few years ago already, um, I don't want to pack my bike into an airplane um, until I've got everything on my, like, on my bucket list uh, covered, which I can even see from my, from my, from my bedroom. And there are still so many trails I want to ride. And yeah, it's a never-ending story in Graubünden, I'd say. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> and it's also a good project now during a pandemic where you can't uh, travel <laughs> easily anyway. So definitely, uh, yeah. it's a it's a good a good summer project. When you went out to Zamat with uh, Jan for the WS, and you decided, okay, let's take another run. Did you think you'd be the subject in the pink bike <laughs> photo of the year? Not at all. I didn't even thought about think about uh, taking out the camera or something. We just went ahead some fun, and uh, yeah, actually, it was <laughs> quite an interesting story afterwards. Uh, so good to see this uh, picture on all the like screensavers uh, worldwide. So definitely wasn't expecting that. It's just lucky that I force him to do something like that all the time because sometimes he has to go up quite a few times <laughs> until I'm happy so yeah maybe it's also because of my gets. riding style so if it would have been uh, better on the first try that uh, uh, I didn't, wouldn't have to walk up there as many times but uh, hey I'm progressing <laughs> 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 or we are progressing 
<laughs> have you guys been uh, working together for some time or you know is that uh, the first time that you've done some actual photo work together so actually um we we grew up quite close uh but we met each other in uh in zug so we uh where, where we came together for an ambassador project with atomic ski uh, we didn't met yeah, we didn't meet before and since then uh yeah, of course, it's it's clear that we had to do a lot more together because we are so close. And uh, then it transformed to from winter to summer. And yeah, we managed to organize uh, each other a few deals. I got him the first boat bike. He got uh, some clothes for me and um, other stuff. And this is how it how it continues, I think. Yeah, now working with a lot of the same brands. It's actually quite easy for me as a photographer as well because he already writes the products I have to take pictures of. And since we match quite good, he knows exactly what I want him to do. And so we can work quite efficient. And then it's just like, okay, let's snap those pictures. And then we got the work done. And now we can just write two more times because we still have time. Okay. But uh, Dario, you uh, you're also kind of uh, <clears throat> dabbling in both uh, skiing and uh, and mountain biking. What is uh, how did you get into this whole you know taking photos and riding and skiing and all that? Yeah, so actually I grew up uh, with uh, alpine ski racing, but uh, I wasn't very talented. I, at least I realized it early enough, and then with about fifteen years I quit ski racing. But I wanted to do something else, which is like a bit competitive. And then I started to do like uh, cross country and marathon races. And this is how I got into mountain biking. But as soon as I, I got my first proper bike, I didn't want to pedal up anymore. And uh, this is how I started to, uh, to ride some, some better trails instead of just uh, pedaling up and be tire too tired to enjoy the downhill. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, uh, this is how it started actually. And then uh, I started working at the ski school during, uh, yeah, during school. Afterwards, I managed to get into the bike school, and then I was able to, yeah, to earn some money with what I love. And this is what I what I still do. Okay, and um, you know, has this uh, you know this win for the photo has that. Uh, opened up new possibilities for the both of you or are you gonna go are we gonna you know, just uh, as it happens or are you planning it together so do do people want photos of the two of you again or uh, is it just a happy coincidence <laughs> probably because uh, of a photographer but with a uh, more talented rider let's see what the uh, pink bike says <laughs> <laughs> when it's clear in the pink bike comments no actually I'm just going with the flow, nothing like dramatically changed or something. It's just really cool to be up there with the best of the best in the bike photography game. But I still have, actually, I still have quite a lot to learn how to get money from single pictures. And I just don't have that much time to put more time into that because I'm already just studying or working. So I'm just taking it, taking it as it is and just, I got my projects for summer already and 
I got those projects independently from the Pink Pie Photo of the Year, so people and brands want to shoot with me anyways. So nothing really changed at the moment, at least for me. But I'm sure a lot of people saw my name the first time, and you never know what the future brings. I think it's a really good message. Uh, I guess another reoccurring theme we're having on the podcast recently is that uh, we've just had some people on that have just been trying to apply themselves uh, where they have interest, uh, where they have talent, and uh, yeah, some some good things come out of it. So we've had yeah others who are in the same position as you, where they are either juggling, um, trying to deal with school and other things, school and racing, or traveling and sponsorship or what whatnot. And um, when they're applying themselves, when they're just putting their head down, doing their work, their best work is coming forward, and people are really taking notice of it. So, kudos to you, and as well to Dario. Yes. That's exactly my opinion too. It's just, yeah, just do what you love and be passionate about it. And then your work's way better than if you just force something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to uh, ride some trails with with Jan, take some pictures. We still got the same uh, partners and we try to do some, uh, some good content for them. Um, but we don't have like any pressure to uh, to deliver. I mean, I'm I'm working uh, in summer. I'm working a hundred percent, so I'm, I'm not in like uh, I'm not into this influencing uh, business at all. I just like to have fun on my bike and on, on my skis. And it's nice that you can uh, take some good shots, uh, post them, and something sometimes get get a better deal for for some stuff. And it's uh, that's. I don't need more than that, actually. Okay. Um, do you have, uh, you know, looking not uh, necessarily only towards this summer, maybe next summer and the summer after next summer, what are, do you have any more goals in terms of photography? Do you want to make this like a full-time career or you're, uh, you're fully set on your studies and then whatever that career brings? Well, so I'm studying sports science and chemistry. And I actually want to be a teacher and it's quite hard to get a hundred percent job there. But my plan for the future, at least at the moment, is that I have like two days of school and then the rest I'm like free to take pictures. And if I have a lot of work, I just take a lot of pictures. And if I don't have anything to shoot, it's fine as well because I still have like my kind of safe job in the back and then it doesn't get boring either because I'm still in the school with the kids, kids teaching them something, but I'm not always there. So I still have like my free time and then I will see how many projects I get. But I really love taking pictures, being outside and it's my biggest passion. And yeah, if I get money from that, what else would I want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a saying where they say uh, in moto racing, it's like 80% bike, 20% rider. Uh, the bicycle is about 50-50 maybe or, or so. Uh, but when it comes to photography, how much would you say is skill, experience, or luck? And how much is it equ- equipment? Really sick question. I've never thought about that. But 
It's so, a lot. Maybe, maybe I can say something about it because uh, I started uh, taking pictures a bit kind of because of Jan or actually because of Atomic because uh, I got into this team and uh, had to take some better pictures. So I got a better camera, of course. And with Jan, I realized that uh, my camera can't take uh, sick pictures for itself. And this is how I started to like realize uh, what what photo uh, yeah photography is all about and what's the difference between my pictures and and Jan's pictures. I mean, it's it's like a, a beginner level uh, camera I bought, which cost about I don't know six hundred francs with two with two lenses, and it's nice to start with. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I would say um, yeah I mean the. The emotions and like the the picture, what you like about the picture, is ninety percent at least, or it's about a hundred percent photography skills or well, yeah, what the photog photographer can make can make of it, and like the the tech the technical quality or like the how do you say um, the camera. Yeah, how sharp the picture is and all this stuff. Of course, this is this is uh, the equipment, but um, the photo for itself is a much more uh, because of the skills. And I think you could you. compare it to a chef in the kitchen. The camera is just a tool. It's like the pan, and if you're a good chef, you can cook on anything. And that's more or less the same thing with the camera. It's just a tool. What sometimes limits you, like with what focal lengths you have or how sharp the picture is. But most of the thing that makes the picture great is how you compose the picture. And I always draw the picture in my head first before I press the shutter speed, the shutter. Because, yeah, so many people just randomly take pictures and then maybe with luck they need more luck then and then there's one good picture but if you like start drawing it in your mind you just snap that one shot or like those two shots and then everything works and then there there's a lot of planning usually for those really 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 great shots there's a lot of planning photographers sometimes take three to ten years to capture that one picture until everything aligns and then with more planning you get the luck side out of it more and then sometimes like the picture photo of the year it's like at least 50% luck because we were just at the right time in the right spot to take the picture because we didn't plan any of that but you could but then you have to be like really flexible with your timing so if the weather aligns and everything works perfect you can actually shoot the picture but that sometimes takes quite a long time yeah no, absolutely i mean it's uh it's actually exactly the same as uh you know high level athletes approach peak performance right so it's not uh you know, if you compare, let's say, a seasoned professional to a junior, you know, they probably can achieve both the same, the same run, the same speed, the same whatever it is. But the thing is, the difference between a junior and 
and the high-level professional is that the high-level professional can do it every weekend. And a junior, it's kind of, you know, the magic happens because, you know, he was at the right time and everything was going the right way. He slept well and he was having a great week in school or whatever. And enough gummy bears. Enough gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> and the professional is kind of, uh, you know, he needs to find a process whereby he prepares for a weekend. He has kind of his things that are important to him and then he executes along that process to make sure that the magic happens on the weekend, right? So that's, it's kind of a similar approach. I yes, guess. exactly. Yeah. It's just like that. More planning, more skill, more routine. You can deliver constantly and somebody that's just not used to it as much just needs more luck to get the same result more or less. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, I guess we are uh, getting, uh, you know, towards the uh, the end of our time here. So um, we would like to go through uh, our closeout questions, if you don't mind. Um, you know, this is the first time that we actually have two guys giving the answers to our closeout questions. So we can maybe do a highlight reel <laughs> of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's get into into our first one. We haven't haven't actually talked about bikes. Well, you talked about your bold bikes, but maybe there's uh, there's some more about. Um, that first bike that got you really stoked about riding. Tell us about that. Yeah, as I mentioned before, I started with uh, like cross country and marathon racing, and then I bought my I bought the first Scott Genius LT, which was on twenty seven point five wheels. Um, this was available in like a small, medium, and large frames, and I'm uh, one meter ninety two tall, so. Uh, large uh, wasn't really actually that large so the reach I had there is now the reach on a, a small frame and this is how it looked and uh, rode like uh, but yeah <laughs> yeah for sure definitely and I went over the bars quite a few times but it got me stoked on uh, riding trails and taking their chairlifts up the hill instead of pedaling up there and I never got back to the hardtail again and I know me, and I don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Jan? Well, my bike history is quite special. As I like a little kid, like a ten-year-old, I rode a lot of bikes, and I like built jumps to jump over my sister. But then <laughs> I did like a lot of different sports and forgot about biking quite a lot, and then. Actually, my Bolt Unplugged Volume 1 got me like really, really, really hyped again on riding. And from there, just like in summer, just ride every day if I can. Okay. Well, I guess it's not a bad thing if you're living in Garbünden, so. <laughs> yeah, his bike was like a tank. So I was on a, on a light trail bike in this season. And he didn't have any problems to follow me because he just went straight through all the stuff. And I had to worry about my rims and about everything. Um, but he didn't have any problems to catch up with me. And I think, uh, yeah, okay. it wasn't just because of the bike, but uh, <laughs> got him stoked, of course. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, the second one is a special one. Um, imagine both of you, you're uh, Harry Skidini and you are bike magicians extraordinaire and you can make riding a bike more awesome for anyone by the stroke of your magic dropper post. What would you do? I've 
thought about that question and for me it's more respect and tolerance on the trails. Like Grabunden's doing really great with all the hikers and bikers and the bikers respect the hikers and break and the hikers move out of the way and say grazie and everything's fine. But not everywhere in Switzerland it's the same. And if I have had a wish, that's my wish to have more respect for the bikers and also the bikers for the hikers. Yeah. Very good. Fair, fair trail. What is the initiative last year, this year? Yes, exactly. Fair trail. Yeah, that was very good. And now we're going to, again, you know, I just have to put that in there. You know, Grabunden is really doing a great job. Uh, every uh, every hiking trail is a biking trail. And, uh, you know, unless there is a clearly clearly marked sign that says you can't, uh, whereas in other regions it's uh, it's basically, you know, very difficult. <laughs> Back to you, Dario. Yeah, so uh, I want to point out what uh, Yeti already said, because I work as a bike guy too, and I really have to say that uh, looking ahead is like the most important thing, but I want to point out something different to it, and it's just like uh, speed is your friend, because... Um, when I when I <laughs> when I when I see like the beginners in my in my lessons and I, I have to ride the trails at their speed, it gets even difficult for me. So uh, yeah, just try to let off your brakes and um, no, don't risk too much, uh, but just try to go a little bit faster and just brake before the turns and not everywhere, and it gets a lot easier. Okay, question three. The fabled uh, skid question. I'm going to deliver this in a two part. So you guys have to answer the individual questions that catered to you. Uh, Jan, outside of respecting other trail users and the nature, <laughs> what makes a great skid? Well, actually, if your skid leaves a nice darker area behind your back wheel, and then in that right spot, actually like some milk is coming out of your mm. tire. <laughs> then you know you overdid it, but in a good way. So, yeah, just get that milk out of your tire and then everything's great. <laughs> Pressure police is going to be out in force. <laughs> That's for sure. We just want to get those comments, you know. Comments are engagement. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Dario, can you tell me um, a little bit about what kind of speed you need for a skid? Much speed. Quite a lot of speed, I would say. Speed is your friend, I said before. <laughs> so actually, I'm not good at skids at all because I think as an instructor, I have to like uh, coach people to lean their bike into the turn way too often. And so I can't do it else than that. Um, but I'm learning it because uh, my flatmate is pretty good at it. And... Uh, at least he can teach me there now. But uh, speed is your friend. Very good. Very good. Well, guys, thanks again for uh, sitting down with us tonight. Um, it was really, really, really cool to talk to you guys. Um, if listeners have any questions or want to learn more about you, maybe some more comments, where can they find you? Yeah, luckily on Pinkbike, if they scroll down a bit, <laughs> so they can find us and the comments in one. <laughs> and yeah, it's underline Dario, underline L. 
that's just because I can't change it anymore to a better name because they are all taken and it's about 10 years old, this name, but it still is there. <laughs> still works. <laughs> and you, Jan? Yeah, and for me on Instagram, it's jgadosh or my website's jangadoshphoto.com where you see more of just my work and Instagram is just more me and blah blah actually marketing <laughs> <Just> tool <laughs> exactly engagement <laughs> engagement just random things to open doors with brands okay that's cool thanks again this is cool bryson thank you glad your battery made it all the way here and uh well we talk to you soon thanks guys, Ciao, guys. thanks for having us Bye. cheers Bye. Bye. Bye.